Welcome to the latest episode of Schneps Connects. We have a timely episode for you today. We've been reporting on uh, many of the horrific fires that have been taking place in New York City. And unfortunately, still in the year 2022, fires are extremely dangerous in urban areas and around the world. And I have someone today that's doing research on fire behavior for the safety of those in fires and, of course, our firefighters. Today, we have with us NYU Tandon School of Engineering faculty member and senior research scientist, Pabrodi Panindre. He holds a PhD in mechanical engineering and an MBA from New York University School of Engineering. His scholarly focus includes artificial intelligence, fire science, and firefighting safety research, optics, heat transfer, nanotechnology, and microfluidics. His research group has received several grants, over $7 million, from the U.S. Department of Homeland Security for Fire Prevention and Safety Research. The new firefighting procedures developed through his research have been implemented by FDNY in several real-life fires in New York City. He also led the research that developed an innovative training methodology to disseminate firefighter safety research and to educate firefighters in a most effective manner. This training has been used by more than 75,000 firefighters from all 50 U.S. states and officially adopted by more than 1,000 fire departments nationwide. He's been featured on more than 500 newswires across the globe that include Yahoo, Reuters, United Press International, National Volunteer Fire Council, just to name a few. Well, I'm thrilled to have you on the show, and I'm, I'm so grateful for your time and the work that you're doing, saving lives and protecting our firefighters. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Well, it's great to have you here. You know, I gave a little bit about your background, but could you just uh, fill in a little bit more about the work that you do at NYU Tandon and, and a little bit about what led you into this field? Sure. Uh, so first of all, let me introduce myself. I'm Prabodh Panindre. And like, or like all firefighters, you can just call me Professor Sammy. Uh, <laughs> that is the name given by FDNY to me, uh, which is another story for some other time. But uh, essentially, I lead the fire research group at NYU, and I have been working with the fire service for more than 15 years now. I actually started my career on a project with FDNY when we were studying the high-rise fires and the impact of wind on fire behavior. We are also training the nationwide firefighters on wide variety of topics like fire dynamics, residential fires, high-rise fires, wildland fires, cardiovascular health of firefighters, and many more. Uh, and I guess, you know, we will talk about it in this call. So we talked about a little bit about how you lead a team of NYU researchers on the wind-driven high-rise fires project with the FDNY and the National Institute of Standards and Technology. Could you tell our audience a little bit about the science behind this and then what changes were made with many of the FDNY's long-established tactics? Sure. Uh, so the basic principle of fluid dynamics also applies to fire. So fire also goes from high pressure zone to low pressure zone. A high pressure zone is typically the combustion zone, the burning apartment. Uh, so the fire will spread from the burning apartment to the other parts of the building, which are low pressure zones. Now, if the apartment window fails and the wind is entering into the apartment, the fire is going to spread into the other parts of the building very rapidly. And this is extremely dangerous for the firefighters on the fire floor performing search and rescue. 
In fact, there were several firefighter fatalities in similar wind-driven high-rise fires. Mm. So in 2008, FDNY and National Institute of Standards and Technology, we conducted 14 live burn experiments on Governor's Island to understand the fire behavior in presence of wind and develop firefighting procedures, positive pressure ventilation, high-rise nozzle deployment, and wind control curtain deployment. And we found these tactics were very effective in terms of controlling the fire spread. And FDNY modified its standard operating procedures to adopt these procedures. And so now if there is a high-rise fire, there will be a high-rise fire unit in the city, which will know how to recognize the presence of wind and how to deploy these tactics. They also have trained their more than 10,000 FDNY firefighters for these new procedures and the use of this new equipment. So I know that you're on the research side of things, and it seems, you know, giving that research uh, information to the FDNY, but I'd love to ask you, I live in a high-rise, so I'm on a pretty high floor, and I remember my wife was pregnant and we smelled smoke. We saw smoke. And the scary part of being in a high rise is you don't necessarily know if the smoke is coming from a floor above you or a floor below you. So what do you typically or can you share really what advice you give to people that live in a high rise? Should they see smoke and really are not communicated with if communication breaks down in the building? Sure. So unless, you know, you, you really immediately feel the heat, maybe sometimes it is better to just close your apartment and be inside the apartment and maybe, you know, open the window, be inside your bedroom, open the window and have the fresh air. The most common mistake is whenever there is a fire, in, especially in high-rise structures, everybody tries to leave the building and mm. then that cr creates a chaos. We don't know where the fire is, how it is spreading, and people are sometimes people are not able to escape the uh, the structure properly, and that creates you know sometimes fatalities or injuries. If you look at the NFPA report that was re released recently about the fires, you will find a lot of people actually get injured, fatally injured when they are trying to escape the structure because they don't know how to properly do it. So sometimes it is just better that you be inside your apartment, close the doors and open the window to have fresh air, unless, you know, it's really you're feeling the heat. Thank you for sharing that because it is a scary thing. God bless those firefighters. God, I, you know, thankfully they came running up the stairway with all that equipment on and said, you know, it's under control by the time we had to make a decision, but it was a scary reality for sure. And there's been a lot of fires recently. I mean, would you say that that's accurate and why we're seeing more fires? Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is an interesting observation. So towards the end of the last year, NFPA, the National Fire Protection Association, released the report of fires in the year 2020. And it was found that the residential structure fires increased by 5% from the mm -hmm. previous years, while the non-residential structure fires dropped by 8%, and the highway vehicle fires fell by 9%. And these shifts are a reflection of changes in everyone's life due to pandemic. In a pandemic, more people spend more time at home and everyone is commuting far less. So this meant more cooking, more use of heating, more air conditioning and other equipment usage and several other activities that caused more home fires. So yes, we are seeing more home fires recently and that's a very good observation. 
So you recently in the New York Times talked about public awareness and education. What would you really feel that the public should know? I mean, you just gave a little advice on you know what to do in a high-rise fire, but is there any other recommendations or, or communication that you would like the public to be aware of? Sure, yeah. So I think the public, first of all, needs to understand that the modern materials and the construction techniques, the open layouts and the synthetic furnishings that we have in our houses have adversely affected the fire dynamics. The fires are becoming more dangerous. And second, the major three reasons for these home fires are cooking, heating equipment, and the electrical equipment. So mm-hmm. everyone needs to be extra cautious when we are cooking or using the equipment in our homes. And this is our responsibility, which is also good for our own safety. So for example, when you buy a well-certified space heater, you will get one instruction sheet. And it will say that you should not place the heater at least three feet away from the combustible material, or you should not use the extension cords. But it is really cold nowadays, so people will use the extension cord and place the heater very close to their beds. And, but if something goes wrong and while you are sleeping, it can be really dangerous, just not for you, but everyone in the home. Also, in the event of fire, try to close the door behind you, especially if you know there is no one inside the room, because mm. that is going to stop the fire spread. So there are these little, little things that can really improve our safety and the others. But most people are not aware of these things. And that's why I feel the people education and awareness are really important for improving the public safety, especially in low-income housing areas where the fire safety standards are compromised due to financial issues. Yeah, some of these things are like very basic, but they're not always top of mind when you're worried about staying warm or when you get distracted when you're in the house cooking. You're right. Yeah. Talk about what ALIVE stands for and how that was developed. So ALIVE stands for Advanced Learning Through Interactive Visual Environments. It is a scenario-based interactive training for firefighters, and it is developed at uh, NYU Tandon. It was actually conceptualized in the high-rise fire research study that we talked about earlier. So after that research, after the live burns, FDNY wanted to use these new firefighting procedures but they have more than 10,000 firefighters and training all these 10,000 firefighters takes a lot of time and money. So working with the fire officials, we conceptualized a scenario-based training methodology and we tested it with the FDNY firefighters and we received a very good feedback. So each year, you know, the assistance to fire grant program funds millions of dollars for fire research. And some of that research just gets into journals and the end users, the firefighters are not able to understand that technical language and use that research. And essentially, there is that translation gap between the science and the firefighting practices. So our partners basically said that, hey, Alive can be this good tool to address this gap. So we also needed to check how effective it is. So AFG also funded a three-year research study to evaluate how effective is Alive. And we conducted several experiments to see how effective it is. And we actually found that Uh, the learners are also able to retain the knowledge uh, due to ALIVE very effectively. And at the end of the research, we had these modules that were developed for the experiment. And my fire department partner said, why don't we put it on the web and see what firefighters think? And we received a very good response. And thereafter, we developed several modules with the AFG funding 
from, and that has been used by all firefighters from all 50 US states. That's terrific that you're able to make such a positive impact. We also have a good feeling about it, yeah. It's fantastic. How can technology used or what type of technology is being used to keep firefighters safe? So like I said before, there's a lot of things that are being done for the fire service. And the worst thing will be a firefighter is dead or fatally injured just because he's not aware of the research that is done for them. So with my group, we are basically focused on translating the research into practices using Alive. So we take we work with a lot of subject matter experts and we develop training modules for firefighters. And there is also a lot of testing and experiments involved. But essentially, you know, we, we actually have the subject matter, the science is delivered step by step using videos, images, a uh, lot of stories because firefighters love stories and it's a scenario based training. So, you know, uh, we will teach you a certain concept and we will put it into the scenario. And if you get the answer incorrect, we will teach you why it's incorrect. We'll go back to the scenario. And again, if you click on the incorrect answer, we will again teach you why it's incorrect until you know what is the best thing to do in that particular scenario. So there is that reinforcement of optimal choices. And then there is also a pre-test, post-test. So there is that before and after effect to see how effective was the training. And all those responses goes into the, the database so that the training chief can look at the firefighter responses and decide how effective was the training, where is the lack of uh, knowledge or, you know, and then they can have the in-person discussions. So the alive is not to replace the existing training. You want to make the existing training and the existing tools more data-driven, complemented, and the best part is all these things are free. So you can access the training from anywhere, from your laptops, from your mm -hmm. mobiles, from anywhere in the world. And especially in pandemic where in-person training was not possible, Alive was really a good tool for educating the firefighters without any extra effort. And with all that knowledge, I think we are making the firefighters safer. They can use these tactical decisions and the new research to improve the safety of civilians. What would you say are your future plans for Alive? Or what would you say would be like the next biggest breakthrough for your research? So we are actually, you know, integrating a lot of new technologies with AI also for fire service. We are working on an application. We are using the AI to predict a lot of indicators for health conditions. So firefighters also have, you know, uh, more than 60% of the firefighters die or suffer the, uh, because of these sudden cardiac events. So there are a lot of health issues. And I think, uh, so now we are also developing AI-based mobile app, which can actually, you know, track your, the data from your Fitbits or Garmin and send you notifications. Hey, we see something, there is some, there is something wrong. Maybe you, go and, you should go and check with your physicians. And we are also focusing on translating quite a variety of topics into training so that we can really educate firefighters. We just got a grant for developing a life for active shooter response. Um, so because this, Incidents happen everywhere in the nation, but those fire departments don't know how to, uh, you know, respond to it, or, and we are helping them to prepare for it. Also, in the current pandemic, uh, we are also developing a training for pandemic response and the procedures for it. Because in 2020, when the pandemic started, the firefighters and the EMS personnel were at the front line, and more firefighters actually died from the line of duty COVID-19 exposures hmm. than any other on the on-duty activities. So the goal is to learn from the current pandemic, capture all that knowledge, develop the procedures, develop the training so that we are better prepared in the future. 
cancer, suicides are also major issues in the fire service. So we are also looking at that. And in future, we are also thinking of helping other types of emergency personnel and the first responders. So the opportunities are, are really unlimited for what we are doing and the research. So it is really keeping my group busy. And we are really glad that we are helping the first responders and the firefighters who are the, saving the lives of, you know, so we are really happy about it. Well, Prabhu, you are doing great work and, uh, you know, really incredible that you're helping to save lives of our firefighters and, and keep our city safe. Thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. It was a pleasure to hear your story and keep up the great work. Definitely. Make sure to subscribe to Schneps Connects wherever you get your podcasts or stream us online at podcast.schnepsmedia.com. Mm-hmm.